This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We were trying to hook up with EJ on Monday. It didn't connect. We're going to do it tomorrow. But I wanted to get a podcast in because there's just so much to discuss. We got the All-Star game and everything. And I got to tell you, once you start seeing regular season games, you kind of forget about the All-Star games. I mean, the, the ratings... Listen, skills competition, it is what it is. The game, uh, the tournament, the three-on-three is fun, but you know, at the end of the day, it entertains you. You need the break. The corporate sponsors need to be schmoozed. But then you watch the games last night, and, and that's what excites you if you're a hockey fan, at least for me, is that once we get back into the regular season, it just seems silly to recap the weekend because these games matter. And we saw some terrific, terrific hockey games last night that I want to dive into. But before we do that, I just wanted to give my two cents on the extension to Bo Horvat with the Islanders. And and, and that was important. Lou Lamorello is not going to get a rental unless he feels that it's a missing piece to a championship. But when he's trying to build something here and feels like he wants to make the playoffs this year, but something that can sustain beyond this year, he's not going to make that splash for Bo Horvat unless he knows he's going to be able to ink him up. And he gets him to an eight-year contract Horvat's happy. Islanders are happy. He immediately becomes their best and most dynamic scorer. He didn't uh, get involved in the box score as far as the score was concerned with the Islanders' 2-1 win over the Flyers in Philly, but he did win over 50% of his face-offs, which is another aspect of his game that I think is very, very underrated. And now the Islanders very quietly have put together a nice three-game winning streak, and they sit with 57 points, the same as Pittsburgh for the last playoff spot. Now, again, the rub with the Islanders, and it's been this way for a long time, 53 games played to Pittsburgh's 49. So Pittsburgh's got four games in hand. So that tie is kind of a facade. But what's real is the 53 games that Washington has played is the first wild card with 60 points. So you're sitting there three points back of Washington with the same amount of games played. So you still feel like you're very much in this and you've won three in a row. You're starting to play better after what was a miserable period of time before the three-game winning streak. Horvat's in the fold. You've got Buffalo that just coming off a loss before the break. They're right on your tail with three games in hand with a point. You've got to try to shake them loose. Florida made your major statement last night, thumping the Lightning 7-1. to So now Florida, 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. They've got 56 points. Same amount of games as played as the Islanders. So this is going to be a sprint to the finish. 29 games left for Florida. 29 games left for the Islanders. 33 for Buffalo. Uh, it is going to be a lot of fun down the stretch to see what team is going to try to sneak into that postseason spot. Rangers had a win last night. They've got 64 points. So the Islanders, seven points back of the Rangers, but the Rangers have three games in hand. So it's a bit of a pipe dream to think the Islanders are going to climb into that top three spot in the Metro. But just to get into the playoffs would be dangerous, and that was a good extension for Lou. Lou still has it. I mean, there's times he's a little old school and he's a little sometimes too patient for his own good, at least in the eyes of a lot of people that cover him and have followed him in his career. But when it comes time to do something that's going to stabilize an organization and go for it, he's done it. And he did it with the Devils back in the day, whether it was Neil Broughton in 95, going out and getting a guy like McGilney in 2000. He tried and it didn't work with Gilmore and Anderchuk in the late 90s, but still... He did everything he could to try to get those teams to win as many cups as he can, and there's still a lot of pieces in place. And then the goaltending, I think, is actually better than it was a few years ago when they went to -to back-to-back third rounds 
Lou sees it, and I think that's what's got to make you feel good if you're an Islander fan. Lou does not make this deal unless he thinks this team's got a shot. And I will take his opinion over anybody else's on whether a team's got a shot to make it or not. So you look at the standings, and you look at the way things have gone through the first 53 games, especially the first 50 before this three-game winning streak, and you think to yourself, where's this team going? This team's not very good. But when a guy like Lou Lamarello says, no, I think they're good, and I'm going to go out and get Bo Horvat, I'm going to give an eight-year contract extension, and I'm going to invest in this team, then you perk up and go, oh, maybe there is something to this. So we're going to have to wait and see. So a good 2-1 win. Barzell gets on the board with his 13th goal of the season, try to get him going, and the Islanders get the win in Philadelphia, something they desperately had to have. I had the pleasure of calling the Rangers overtime victory over the Flames. This game was fun. Typical game where the coaches don't love it because there was just a lot of you know, misplays and turnovers, but it made for really entertaining hockey. But before I get into the nuts and bolts of this game, and it was something that was a major topic conversation on the air. I did the game with Pete Stemkowski last night off the air with some of the media people and it was also out there in social media and I know a few people tweeted and we'll talk about it in a little bit uh right now it's hard to have a Scott Stevens in this league because the hits that Scott Stevens made famous a lot of them would be illegal today okay but that said Jacob Truba is a beast and he had two massive hits. Blay had a hit as well in the game against the Flames. And in each time the major hit happened, a Flame would then jump the guy that had the big hit. So Truba ended up getting into a couple of fights. Blay got into a couple of fights. All three hits were legal. Now, there's a couple of things at play here. And we had a chance to talk to um, Barkley Goodrow after the game. We had a, t- a chance to talk um, a- after the first period with Keandre Miller that players understand, even the Ranger players understand, even if the hit's legal, there's going to be a response. Because, A, the player doesn't know if the hit was legal because he doesn't have the benefit of replay. Maybe he didn't even get a chance to see it. He just sees his fallen teammate. And, and B, you will still, no matter what, you're going to want to defend your guy. You, you want to be able to stand up to the team that did that. So I understand that Truba had to answer for the hit, even though the hit was elite, was legal. I, you know, Pete Stemkowski disagreed. He's like, I don't get why these players have to jump somebody after every single hit. Why couldn't you take his number, file it away, go try to hit him later? I don't know the reasoning behind the jumping now as far as waiting for later, but I just get you want to respond. You can't sit there and go, let me see the replay to see if it was legal or not. Oh, it was legal. Let's not go after him. Oh, it was illegal. Let's jump him. Jump him. What the, the thing I take exception to is, why does Truba have to serve a five-minute major for fighting when all he is is defending himself? Now, I'll give you the example. He lays out Lucic in the third period. Good, clean, legal hit, lays him out. Dubé then jumps, or I actually know it was the Kadri hit. I'm sorry, because there were so many hits last night. It was a lot of fun. Kadri gets laid out by Truba. Kadri goes up to hit him, but Dubé decides to jump in and fight Truba, and Truba pummels him. But Truba's got to sit in the box for five minutes. Now, the Rangers did draw a penalty as there was a rough, and the Rangers ended up capitalizing on that roughing penalty by scoring a goal to take the lead 3-2 to two from Zibanejad, so they made him pay on the ice. But my question would be, I hit you legally. Somebody then jumps me. I defend myself with a fight, and I got to sit five minutes? doesn't make a lot of sense 
Now, is Truba supposed to not fight Dubé? Is he supposed to allow him to just get hit so he draws five minutes and or draws a 10-minute a misconduct and then Truba doesn't get anything? Or is Truba just going to respond in like and hit him? And he knocked him cold. It was really an entertaining fight from a Ranger standpoint. And I get what Dubé's doing. I'm just trying to figure out why Blaze got to sit in the box for five minutes when he gets jumped after a legal hit. And then Truba's got to sit for five minutes after he gets jumped after a legal hit. So these hits, Truba has just been amazing. He really is. And it really just fires up the building, right? Big hit. They start chanting Truba. The team just jumps up. It's an aspect of the game that has been lost in today's NHL. You don't really have any big thumpers anymore. And the guys that do hit usually leave their feet, target the head, throw the elbow out, and ends up being a penalty. All three of those hits, one of them actually got reviewed. So you know it's going to stand up. All three perfectly legal. So it does show you in this league that you can play physical. And you don't have to cross the line. And that's an aspect of the game that might be a little bit different than everybody else in the league. That might be something that gets the Rangers going here that makes them a little bit different than the teams they're chasing after. Plenty of physical teams, but I don't know if there's anybody like Truba that can hit like a truck like that and hit legal. Not all of his hits in his career have been legal, mind you, but the three last night certainly were. Zabanajab with a couple of goals, assisted on the game-winning goal from Lafreniere. That kid line is really clicking for the Rangers now. I hope with all the line shuffling that Gerard Gallant has done that he does keep that kid line together. Um, great game for Philip Edel is really beginning to come into his own. Two goals. Uh, he now has six goals in his last four games, a goal in all four of those games, mind you. So Philip Heedle starting to come together. Another reason why Kako Heedle and Lafreniere have to play together. They weren't together in overtime, but Lafreniere did score the goal. Yuroslav Halak, it's his sixth consecutive win. I'm happy for him after what was a miserable start to his season. So a very entertaining game against the Flames at Madison Square Garden. I'll have the call against the Canucks coming up tomorrow at the Garden. Similar game, Devils and the Canucks at the Rock. And Jack Hughes does it again. Two more goals. He now has 35. You know, we've discussed this before. The Devils have never had a 50-goal scorer. I guess it was in the 05-06 season when Brian Gianta had 48. They've never had anyone score 50 points in their career, and he certainly can definitely do that now when you take a look at what he's been able to produce now. He has, on the season, 35 goals, 32 assists for 67 points. So he's got, and and still with 32 games left. So I don't know if he'll get to 100 points, but he certainly has got a great shot at scoring 50 goals. And you heard Wayne Gretzky during the All-Star break say that if there's a player on the come that could be close to what Connor McDavid is, it might be Jack Hughes. So Devils didn't play well defensively. Uh, uh, the goaltending wasn't tremendous as they blew a couple of leads in this one. Uh, there were five goals scored combined in the second period, two for Canucks. They scored the only goal in the third to force overtime. And it was um, Jesper Bratt, who does not get enough credit as far as I'm concerned, at overtime to win it for the Devils. So New Jersey, red hot again after the slow start, 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. They now sit with 70 points, second place in the Metropolitan Division. They're six points back at Carolina with a game in hand. Carolina does not play again until Saturday against the Rangers. So Carolina is in the midst of their bye. The Devils will play Seattle. That game will be coming up um, on Thursday. The Devils will play against the Kraken. And then 
the Devils will play in Minnesota. They go on a, a, a central trip. So it's the, the division is still very much up, up for grabs. And the Devils have kind of proven that they can get off the mat and do all the things necessary offensively to stay in this league. So that's a huge, huge win for the Devils. As I mentioned, Panthers with a major statement in every way. They score seven goals. They get 49 shots on goal. Did it against Vasilevsky. So the Lightning still, I guess, had their heads in the clouds after the long layoff. And it just might be a case of where one team just needing it more than the other. You know, Tampa's right now the third seed in the Atlantic Division. They've got nothing to prove to anybody. They don't care where they're going to finish. They've got tons of experience. They feel like they're pretty much, I think, locked in to that three seed. But Florida, as we mentioned, they're a point out of a playoff spot. They have won a couple of games in a row. They're starting to feel it just a little bit. And that was a huge statement win for them against the Lightning. Uh, Stars blow a two-goal lead, allow two third-period goals as Silverberg scored 11-04, and then Henrique scored like a minute later. They ended up having to go to the shootout. Dallas ends up getting the win. So that's a good win for the Dallas Stars. They maintain first place in the Central Division, three ahead of Winnipeg. Both teams have 52 games played. However, Winnipeg's got the tiebreaker with more row wins, 32-27. to That's going to be a fun Central Division race. So we'll see what happens there, as that is a huge win for the Stars. 41 shots on goal, by the way, against the Ducks. And a tough loss for the Wild as they drop a game to the Coyotes. Tough. Uh, McBain scores his seventh. That was less than seven minutes to play uh, in regulation there, and that ends up costing the Wild a point. And it's just something to think about because, you know, here they sit third place, in the Central Division with 58 points. They've got three games in hand on Winnipeg and Dallas, but they squander an opportunity there to close a little bit closer. And as far as um, Colorado is concerned, Colorado is just a point back with a game in hand. So we'll see if Minnesota rues the day they lose to the Coyotes and not earn a point. So we'll see if that becomes a big deal for them. Tonight, Kraken are out on the island to take on the Islanders, second of back-to-backs for the Isles. Kraken have been the story of the season so far. First place tie with the Kings, but four games in hand on the Kings and still have more row wins than the Kings, so Seattle's in great shape there. Should be a great one between the Penguins and the Avalanche. Avalanche starting to get healthy. Penguins holding on to that final playoff spot in the, um, in the East, so we'll see what happens on that one. Tampa having to play the second of back-to-backs against San Jose. We'll see if they'll be able to right the ship. Oilers at the Wings. That game's on ESPN+. Plus. That looks like that could be fun. Big one in Nashville between the Predators and the Golden Knights. Vegas has dropped the third in the Pacific Division, although they're just a point back. But two more games played than Seattle. And Nashville on the outside looking in for the playoffs. They are four points off the pace, but however, have three games in hand on Calgary. Calgary earned the point last night at the Garden, so they slide into the second wild card. But Colorado has got three games in hand on the Flames. Nashville, three games in hand on the Flames. So that's a big one in Smashville. And then at 8.30, the Ducks and the Blackhawks as they compete for the top pick in the NHL draft. Can't get too excited about that game. All right, let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Sam Diaz says, in your honest opinion, despite needing a number one right winger, do you think that the Rangers are talented and coached well enough to win the Stanley Cup? Well, Gerard Gallant took an expansion team to the Stanley Cup final, so I think they're coached well enough. 
Do they have the talent? At times, it seems they do. Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider scored, scored 52 goals last year. I love their blue line. I think uh, Shesterkin is a championship-caliber goaltender. Now, do they have the depth? Uh, that's the question. And, Sam, you brought up needing a right winger. You know, Jimmy Vesey's a nice player. I love the fact he got a two-year contract extension. He deserved that. But is he a top-line right winger? The answer is no. Kraftsoff's been a healthy scratch now. You figure that he's probably going to get dealt at some point. But for what? Um, you, you wonder about that fourth line. I like Sammy Blay. They don't produce a lot offensively. I like Julian Gauthier, but he's not a guy that's going to score double-digit goals. Um, they've tried Carpenter there at center, and that really hasn't you know, worked out at all. I like uh, LeCision, who they picked up off waivers from Vegas, but you know, you're not exactly rolling four lines in big spots. So there are some needs there. But to answer your question, Sam, are they coached well enough? Yes. Are they talented enough? I think at least at the top they are. Brian Thompson says, number one, what a game last night and a great call. Well, thank you. And two, how much worried should fans be about this while uh, Bally Sports thing, how much impact on cap will there be? I got to look into that. We'll talk to EJ tomorrow. I really don't know the ins and outs of that. Um, we'll try to get more information. I don't want to guess anything. Uh, the cap has continued to go up, but um, I will file that away and try to get more information from EJ. Um, I just don't know enough about that. I apologize. Joe says, hey, Don LeGreca, the time has come. Move Heedle to the second center. Drop Trochek to third. Also, the All-Star game needs to be changed. I'm open-minded. Five on five, East versus West. Two captain draft players. Our initial selections by fans, whatever. The current format is stale. I disagree. I think the current format is actually a little bit more lively than all the other Michigash that you get into with the All-Star game. Listen, you can't paint a turd. All right, and, and, and let's face it, in all these sports... The All-Star game is a turd. It just is. It's a necessary evil to schmooze clients. So you're trying to come up with fancy, fun ways, and you come up with, oh, let's do international versus North America. Let's do three-on-threes. Uh, let's do uh, the players drafting. And then it works for a couple of years, and then it gets stale. The reason it gets stale is because, again, you can't paint a turd. It's just not a good idea. All-Star games are not fun. All-Star games outlive their usefulness once we have access to all these games. So I'll talk about it over and over and over again. The All-Star game was great when we were kids because we didn't get a chance to see all these players play together. But now we've seen the Olympics, and we've seen the World Cup of Hockey, and I can turn on my TV and watch any number of games on the ESPN app. TNT's got games on Wednesdays. ESPN's got games almost every night. I, I, can, I don't need to have one event to bring all the players together when I've got my app, I've got my TV, and I, I just don't think it's necessary anymore. They have outlived their usefulness. Let's not try to paint a turd. Anyway... I don't want to break up the kid line. I think the kid line works well together. I understand what you're saying. Heedle deserves to be higher than a th- third-line center. But maybe if if that kid line is going to play uh, this well, then maybe they're not the third line. Now maybe they're part of a, the second rotation. You know, and, and you're starting to see a little bit more power play time from Heedle. I noticed that last night. It was very interesting. You know, the Rangers' power play has really struggled, all right? It did come through last night, but overall it came into that game two for their last 24. And what would happen is the number one unit stay out there for like a minute and 36 seconds, and there'd be no time for the second unit. Two separate occasions last night, there was a stoppage with more than a minute left on the power play, and the second unit came out. The first time was with a minute and 16 seconds, the second time with a minute and nine. So you're starting to see Heedle get more time on the power play. I think that's the way it's probably going to work. 
Gavin says, hey, Dom, with reports of Patty Kane's injury, do you think it's wise for the New York Rangers to pivot to someone like Tarasenko? I would also love Meyer, but it seems unlikely due to cap crunch. Do you think getting a Meyer is an e- even likely? We talked to EJ about it last week. It's not unlikely, although it's going to be difficult. Um, Tarasenko's a nice player. He's had his shoulder situation. I guess we can find out a little bit more about what's happening with Kane. But I don't feel there's got to be that sense of urgency. The deadline is not until the 3rd. That's almost a month from now. I think things will be better health-wise for Kane. Donnell Weaver says, hello, Don. So what are your thoughts on the Islanders signing Bo Horvat to a long-term eight-year contract to stay with the Islanders? Well, as I mentioned, it's it's perfect, Lou. It's, it's what has to happen. Um, you don't make a deal like that on just a rental. And so they locked him in, and he has the potential of being maybe the best forward this franchise has had since John Tavares. Uh, Anthony says, Jack Hughes has another huge game yesterday, MVP chance in New Jersey. Would love for him to win it this year, but McDavid is having another insane season. What do you think happens first for Hughes, MVP award or Stanley Cup champion? Wow. Uh, You know what? I'll probably say MVP because it's a very, very competitive conference and there's a lot that has to go into winning a Stanley Cup. And I'm not sure this team's going to go from, you know, making the playoffs once in the last decade to all of a sudden winning a Stanley Cup. But an MVP, I think he's going to be a finalist this year, which means I think by next year he could win it. Now, there's always going to be huge competition. But Connor McDavid aside, Leon Dreisaitl aside, um, there's some special stuff going on here, and they now have the team where they can finish high enough in the standings where you can realistically see him possibly winning the MVP. Rock Dog says, is Heedle smiling more because he's playing well or is he playing well because he's smiling more? I don't know. He's, he's an interesting guy. I don't know him well, but when I see him in the dressing room, he kind of kids on the square. He's very serious, but he, there's been a lot of pressure on him. It doesn't get a lot of attention because he's not as high a pick as Kako and Lafreniere, but he is a first-round pick, and he's starting to really come into his own. I just think he's a very serious guy, but but he, he's he's a lot of fun to talk to, and I think there's a combination of you know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but um, I do think he's probably smiling more because he's getting a chance to play and play at a really elite level. Uh, Joseph G. says, we've got to change the rules for instigating penalties to be more severe. Truba or any player shouldn't have to defend after a clean hit. Make it a double minor. Also, the kid line has been on fire. What's changed that made them perform better? Well, the change has been Filipino, and I think Kako is starting to come into his own as well. I think that's what's happened there, and as we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, it's ridiculous that Truba has an illegal hit and has to sit five minutes for going out there and defending himself. And finally, Haywood says, I... Is having all three New York Metro teams in the playoffs good, or do you see another underdog team making the dance? Um, Buffalo. Buffalo is the team that I think is kind of quietly sitting there, not being paid attention to because they really haven't been a threat in a long time. But it's starting to come together for them. They've got the games in hand. So if there's a team that can kind of mess up the Islanders making it, I think the Rangers and the Devils are pretty comfortable. But if there's a team that can really upend the Islanders, uh, aside from the teams they're chasing after Washington and Pittsburgh, it would probably have to be uh, the Buffalo Sabres. All right, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I've already hooked up with EJ. We will have him on tomorrow. 
We'll dive into the Bally Sports thing. We'll dive into the All-Star game. He was there in Florida to get his thoughts. He saw it firsthand. Get more details on the Bo Horvat. Anything else he's sniffing around as we're now three weeks away from the trade deadline. So we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for participating on social media. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll speak again tomorrow. This is the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.